The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Shack. Sports Shack. It's Sports Shack. And welcome to episode 299 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Tim Salmon episode? Tim Salmon? Yes, he played for three different Angels teams during his big league career. Tell me. He played for the California Angels. Then they changed their name to the Anaheim Angels. And then they changed their name to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Wow. That's a lot of name changes. Yeah. What are they now? The Los Angeles Angels. How long has that been? Um, let's see. I would say that was in the, uh, early two thousands that they made that change. Speaking of baseball. So by the way, he hit 299 home runs and thus that's why he's the guy for episode 299. Speaking of baseball, my friend Corey with a K is a baseball card enthusiast, much like when you were a young man. He said right now the market is hot. That's what I've heard. He has a bunch of premier cards that he sent off to someone to get graded, mm-hmm. and then he gets them back, and he says he is getting ready to make what's called a mint. Unless he doesn't get them back on time, he says in about two or three years, it's going to be back to these aren't worth anything. But for Why? some reason right now, I don't know. He said pitchers right now aren't worth a lot. Every other player, it's all over the place, but it's the, there's money to be made. Good to know. I thought I'd pass that along to I you. I appreciate that. Because uh, when he called, I asked him, do you have any Ricky Henderson cards? Because I kind of want one after the, hearing those stories. I'm I'm glad that those stories entertained you. Hopefully oh. it was that way for the listening audience as well. Well, if there is one, I'm sure they were. Family Broadcasting Corporation. Well, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! It's good! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer, this one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! Let's get this bad boy underway. Irish win a basketball game. What a wild night. In Greensboro, North Carolina, Notre Dame is playing Wake Forest. And friends, Wake Forest is not good. They are 6-15 on the year. But they shoot the three-pointer very well. And the Irish weren't rebounding. They didn't seem all that interested in defense. 
they trail by seven at the half, and then they wind up trailing by 16 in the second half. And it's like, well, this is going to be an ugly end to an ugly season. They scrap their way back. It is tied at 75. It's tied again at 77. Wake Forest has the basketball. They go up for a shot, and Cormac Ryan winds up with a beautiful shot block and begins things in transition, and we'll let former Sports Jack guest Jack Nolan take it from there. Here comes Cormac Ryan over the midcourt stripe. Back to Wurtz for three. Got it! The Irish win! The Irish win! Happy to note that Jack and the baby are just fine. And I, I think he did give birth there, but that's okay because the Irish win it 80-77. to 77. They live to play another day, and they will take on North Carolina tonight in the second round of the NCAA tournament. And I thought you had a, a, a good point this morning uh, in the other studio there. Yeah, I mean, if that was his final play called even though he's got another game to call and maybe it'll be a lackluster performance the fact that he's got that one right at the end of the career is kind of a cool yeah way to go i was happy for i was happy for jack as much as i was happy for the team last night yeah and and you see the team spill out if you've seen the video people are robbie carmody just knocks somebody aside. bodies are flying wasn't really happy with Prentice Hub flipping the bird to somebody in the crowd, but hopefully somebody will pull him aside and say something to him. Because that wasn't a year number one, Jack Nolan? That wasn't what that, that was? I don't think that was directed to Jack, although maybe it was. <laughs> maybe he was up there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, nevertheless, so Notre Dame gets a win. Does anybody think that they're going to win five games in a row and win the ACC championship? Because that's the only way they're going to the tournament. So does anybody think that? Probably nobody outside that locker room. And and maybe if people in that locker room are being honest, maybe nobody there. But at least they had a great moment. One of those moments that March is really all about. Yeah. Kind of one of those defining, this is what March Madness looks like. When the game's on the line, your team's on the line, and uh, something to hopefully build on for next season are that they capable of, of beating Carolina? Yeah, they're capable. Will they beat Carolina tonight? See, the problem is, as you go along this tournament, even if they beat Carolina tonight, then they'd have to play Virginia Tech the next night. Virginia Tech's been sitting the whole time. They haven't played a game. They're well-rested. They're ready to go. Notre Dame obviously expended a lot of energy last night. To beat Carolina, they'd have to expend a lot of energy. You just wonder as things go along. Yes, I know they're 18 to 22-year-olds, and their energy pack is a lot better than yours and mine, but at some point you just wonder if fatigue does become a factor in this tournament for Notre Dame. When's that next game, Chuck? Tonight, 9 p.m. I'm not sure what the television plan on that is, whether it's ESPN or the ACC Network. I think these might still be on ACC Network at this point. Let's transition to a Big Ten tournament. Give me a preview of what's about to be. Yeah, because Yakka Files, we're not here Friday. So I yep. uh, just want you to know we might be doing some stuff on today's show that we would normally save for a Friday, but we're going to try to cram it all in for this week uh, so that when we come back on Monday for the Big 
300 episode, which I have nothing to do with the planning of, uh, we'll, we'll be fresh and ready to go. But uh, Big Ten Tournament Preview, tomorrow night, Thursday night, it's Indiana opening up against Rutgers. Now, Rutgers has beaten Indiana twice this year. Indiana did get some good news yesterday in that uh, Trace Jackson Davis, first-team All-Big Ten, third-team All-American. But let's face it, the Hoosiers just have not looked good in the last couple of weeks. And yes, they're playing in Indianapolis for the Big Ten tournament. That should be an advantage. But Rutgers beat them at Assembly Hall this year. So it's it's not a good matchup for IU. If they do win this game, yay, you get to play Illinois, who's only the hottest team in the Big Ten right now. So it, it doesn't look like it's going to be a long week for IU, and I certainly don't expect them to get into Saturday or Sunday. The bigger question might be Purdue. Purdue is the four seed, but the five seed is Ohio State. And assuming Ohio State beats the winner of Northwestern Minnesota, Purdue's got to deal with Ohio State. Now, Ohio State has not looked good lately either. I think they've lost three or four in a row. Now, they've been playing some some top-flight competition, and the Boilermakers did beat them down at St. John Arena, or St. John Arena, Value City Arena in Columbus. So... Can Purdue win that game? Yeah. Can they win three in a row against the kind of competition they're going to have to play? I don't know. I don't know if they can beat, say, Ohio State, Michigan, and Illinois in three consecutive games, which is what they'd have to do to win the Big Ten tournament. I I would say the odds are maybe 12-1 to against... Purdue being able to do that. Who's your money on for Big Ten tournament? Michigan? Well, right now I'd put it on Illinois. Oh, okay. Right now I I think Illinois is playing better than Michigan is at this point. Michigan just hasn't been the same the last couple of games. Certainly Illinois just blitzed them. They came back, beat Michigan State in Ann Arbor to win the Big Ten title, and then they looked like an unmotivated team when they played Michigan State in East Lansing on Sunday. So I don't know if Michigan has hit a little bit of a wall. Do they rejuvenate a little bit for the Big Ten tournament? I don't know. It's possible they could have to play Michigan State again in the um, quarterfinals. So I'm I'm just not sold. I still think Jawan Howard was very deserving of Big Ten Coach of the Year, which he got yesterday. I do think Hunter Dickinson deserved Big Ten Freshman of the Year, which he got yesterday. I I just think Illinois right now, going into the tournament, seems to have all the momentum, and Brad Underwood's team seems to be playing as well as anybody. So I would pick Illinois as my Big Ten tournament favorite right now. Michigan would be number two. Okay. But it it should be, a, it always is, and it should be a very interesting week in Indianapolis. Tournament actually starts tonight with some of the lesser games like Penn State, Nebraska, um, which I don't know why anybody would go pay to see that, but that's your prerogative if you're a basketball fan. <laughs> 
You're uh, you're working mighty hard. You got two games to work on for Saturday. Yeah, we're going to be in Michigan City for the high school basketball regional this weekend, and I think the Michigan City regional probably as competitive as any of the regionals around here. I was talking with some people yesterday. It's rare that you have regionals where you can almost predict who's going to be in the championship game immediately, but there's a couple of those in the area. In 1A, I don't think there's any question that Triton's going to be playing Couts for the regional championship because Triton has Caston in the morning game. Triton beat Caston by 22 in the month of February. And I know we've had some upsets. I know that Riley avenged a 20-plus loss to Adams, but when you watch that first Riley-Adams game, I think everybody was stunned that it, the difference was that big. If you watch Triton Caston, nobody was stunned that the difference was that big between Triton and Caston. So everybody expects that to be a blowout. Couts has been ranked in the top two of the Class 1A poll almost all year. Uh, they've got a terrific team. That's going to be tough for Triton, but Triton will be playing at home. So that's that's in 1A. In 2A, Rochester is the lone hope that we have in this area, and we're hoping the Zebras can make it through. But the problem is, for Rochester, they're in a sectional, I believe, with Fort Wayne Blackhawk Christian, who is not only the best 2A team in the state, a lot of people think they might be one of the best teams in the state. So that's going to be tough for the Zebras. 3A, Northwood goes down to Newcastle. That's a long trip to have to make. And they have to play the Trojans in their own gym. Trojans are 9-15, and 15, but their best player was out a lot of the year with an injury. He's back. They won the sectional. I like the way Northwood has been playing as of late. We saw them against Elkhart last week of the regular season. They had a nice rhythm there. They made it through their sectional. They could be the dark horse in that regional. Leo is the favorite of in that regional. A lot of people expect that it could be Northwood and Leo in the championship game of that 3A. You know, I mentioned it's almost a guarantee that Triton and Couts play in the 1A championship game for the regional. A lot of people look at that 3A regional in South Bend and say St. Joe and Hammond are going to be going head-to-head in the regional final. St. Joe is ranked number five in the state. Mark Johnson, having announced his retirement at the end of the season, got a great performance from his entire team in the sectional. Cole Hatkovich hit some key threes. Jack Fuda stepped up with some big plays. Will Terry was rebounding. And, of course, J.R. Konesny scoring. So St. Joe plays Twin Lakes, a team that they beat during the regular season. They play them in one regional semifinal. Hammond plays New Prairie. New Prairie hasn't been to the regional since 2003. Mike Bauer's done a great job. But Hammond has some size to it. And I just wonder if New Prairie is going to be able to combat the size that Hammond has, along with the three-point shooting that Hammond has. Hammond is ranked number one in the state, so obviously they're the favorite in that game. And so it's Hammond and St. Joe more than likely meeting in the South Bend-Washington final. That'll be an interesting matchup because St. Joe obviously has some size with Kinesny, Terry, and Fuda. They might be able to give Hammond some fits in that one. Obviously, locally, everybody will be rooting for St. Joe and New Prairie to do well. And then you mentioned the two games I'm getting ready for. So 4A at Michigan City. You've got, in the first game, Riley and Valparaiso. This may be one of the tightest 
contested games of the whole regional statewide. Valparaiso has terrific size with the Jones brothers, Cooper and Mason. Cooper Jones is going to be a defensive end at Indiana next year. He's well-built young man. Um, Mason is a sophomore. He's the leading scorer on the team. They've got another Jones in the backcourt that I don't think is related, Colton Jones, who is uh, kind of the engine that makes them go. And so Valparaiso comes in with a very balanced team. They rely heavily on their defense. Riley, of course, has Blake Wesley, the young man that's committed to the University of Notre Dame. But they had huge contributions against South Bend Adams from guys like Philip Robles, who had 12 points in that game, Jackson Copley, terrific outside shooter, and Nate Mocht, who helped them on the inside. And Nate Mocht is going to have to defend these big physical players from Valparaiso. He'll need some help from Tyson Lee down low, who's another big physical player. So it's an interesting matchup, Riley and Valpo. They play at 11 o'clock Eastern time. We'll show the game on TV 46 at 2 o'clock Eastern time Saturday afternoon. That's followed by Elkhart and Gary West. Elkhart doesn't have anybody bigger than 6'5". they got to find a way to stop Jalen Washington of Gary West, who's 6'9". And one of the top recruited juniors in the state of Indiana. Both teams are very balanced. Elkhart, I think, has three players averaging double figures. Gary West has four. Uh, Chris Bugs, the Gary West coach, played on their last state championship team back in 2002, trying to get the Cougars back to the promised land. And Gary West finished in the AP poll ranked number 10 in Class 4A. So if you looked at the rankings, they would be the favorite in this regional. But Elkhart managed to weave its way through that Elkhart sectional, and they're playing much better defense these days. So the question is, is that 2-3 zone that Elkhart was able to use against teams like Warsaw and Penn in the Elkhart sectional, will that be good enough to thwart this Gary West team? So I, I think the Michigan City Regional is as competitive a regional as there is in the area and we're excited to be there on Saturday. My son heard about this six foot nine player, and he was like, "Whoa!" And I pulled him aside and I said, "Look, six foot nine in high school, I would say a high percentage shouldn't be afraid of him because they don't know what to do with six foot nine yet." I think this guy's got a pretty good idea. This one does. Yeah. Okay. I, you're right. It's not necessarily automatic. I've seen some six eleven players this year that weren't that good. Yeah. But this young man, I think, has a, a very good skill set, and he's being recruited by some D1 schools. But you're right. It's not all about size. You have to you have to have grown into your body already, and you have to have worked on your game. Yeah. Speed helps. That doesn't hurt either, and I, I have the feeling Gary West has plenty of that. Okay. You ready to jump into Michigan basketball? Yeah. You know what? You're alma mater is having a great season. That's what Sean I see. Schrader's team got another big win last night. Grant Gondersick had 25 points as Lakeshore easily handled Battle Creek Lakeview, and they are on top of the Smack West division right now, undefeated in conference play and 9-1 and overall for the year. So uh, Lakeshore probably as good as any team around here, with the exception of those Benton Harbor Tigers. I'll tell you what, Corey Sterling has put together another wonderful team. They had a huge win over the weekend, and Benton Harbor 
last I checked, was ranked number three in the Division II poll. Uh, Benton Harbor and Lakeshore have developed a nice rivalry over the years, and, and I would look for that to resume again when we get to tournament time. But there's a couple of weeks left before we get to that in Michigan. So those are two of the hotter teams in Michigan. Buchanan, I saw that uh, Lakeshore got a new football coach, too, last couple of days. Yes, they did. They wound up hiring uh, a gentleman who had been the offensive coordinator up in, um, I want to say Middleton, Michigan. Let okay. me uh, let me just check my notes here real quick. But, um, yeah, so that and that's a big move. I believe that would be the first African-American football coach ever at Lakeshore High School as well. So that's a, a great move for that community. Uh, apparently a terrific offensive mind. And so he's going to come down here to Stevensville. And and not that he really has to turn things around. I mean, Denny Dock got them to the playoffs last year, and then they opted out of the playoffs when uh, the whole COVID came thing out, put a break on the playoffs, and you couldn't resume the playoffs until January. And Denny Dock, I think, looked at his team and said, you know, I'm I'm not sure that we can um, resume this at the level that we'd like to. So Danny Thompson is the new coach there. Uh, he hails from Middleville, Michigan, and he had been at Thornapple Kellogg the last couple of years as the offensive coordinator. All right. Speaking of COVID pandemic, when is our big anniversary of everything shuts down? When was that? Well, that would be coming up that probably would have been the Friday episode. Okay. Um, and you may recall a year ago, we were talking with Mike Lightfoot. He was at the NAIA tournament. That's right. And he was talking about the COVID precautions that they were already taking. And I think only a, an hour or two after we spoke with him on the phone, uh, they shut that tournament down. Last year, the Big Ten tournament was in the middle of a game. They were at halftime of a game, and they said, that's it, we're done. Uh, it was a what I remember last year vividly, those three days, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it was amazing watching. It was like watching dominoes fall. Yeah. yeah. And seeing how things shut down uh, around sports and around the country. And let's face it, we, we didn't get sports back. I'm well, going to say a couple right, of months. right around episode 205, 206, 207 might be just fascinating to hear your perspective on what's happening because it was new to everybody. Yeah. It wasn't like you had an inside track. You were just kind of watching and reporting on what you saw. But, man, that's uh, we'll have to go back and check that out and just see what the vibe was. Well, if you remember, the big video that was out at that time was Rudy Gobert of the Utah Jazz. Uh, was kind of making fun of the whole COVID thing, and he p- took his hands and rubbed them all over everybody's tape recorders and microphones and everything at a press conference, and everybody kind of laughed. And then we find out Rudy Gobert has COVID, and it wasn't so funny anymore. <laughs> and when Rudy Gobert came wow. down with COVID, that's when everything started to shut down mm-hmm. in the NBA and the college leagues followed, and and remember, we we didn't know uh, what we were dealing with then, and uh, we were told, uh, well, two weeks to to shape the curve or to to stop the curve, and uh, two weeks wound up being more like uh, fifty. 
you know what we started doing? We, you and I got together randomly. We had an episode on April 8th. Yeah. And then we did an episode on the 22nd. And then, uh, yeah, just a, then we started kind of, you know, like maybe once a week I felt like we kind of. Kind of maybe. Yeah. yeah. But we still had stuff to talk about, so. we Well, if we didn't, we made stuff up. <laughs> oh, you're bringing up episode 209, <laughs> huh? No, I, I don't know. Wow, that's fascinating. All right. Are you done with Michigan? Uh, I was just going to mention Buchanan had a nice win last night. Logan Carson with 23 points. They beat Michigan Lutheran. They're having a nice season. Edwardsburg trying to compete for a Wolverine Conference title, but they're trying to chase three rivers in Otsego right now. Otsego on top of that conference. So we are aware of what's going on up in Michigan and the tournament probably a couple of weeks away. I was almost going to purchase a new Bears hat last night. Mm-hmm. Almost. And I thought, why? Well... <laughs> They had a lot of Trubisky jerseys hanging there, too. And those will probably go cheap. Now, the question is, uh, everybody's talking as though the Bears are going to make a concerted push for Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson originally gave the Seattle Seahawks four teams that he wanted to be traded to. Now it's down to three because the Dallas Cowboys have opened up Fort Knox and deposited it into Dak Prescott's bank account. Speaking of Cowboys, did you see the story last night about the blank check uh, company that's opening? Did you happen to see any of that talk? No. It was in a newspaper, and you had to have a subscription. They tweeted it out, but it's like you had to purchase it. I'm like, no. But Roger Staubach's in this group. Sammy Hagar has been invited into this group. Apparently, those who have a ton of money that could help pay for that. that you're for about Dak to- Prescott's contract. Yes. Because Dak Prescott's contract is amazing. Four years, $160 million. His signing bonus, $66 million. The largest signing bonus in NFL history. And then I read today they threw in a million-dollar incentive if he makes the Super Bowl. Why do you need an incentive to make the Super Bowl? You're getting $40 million a year in a $66 million contract signing bonus. How many Super Bowl rings does he have now? Zero. They haven't even made the playoffs in three of the last four seasons. Come on, man. That's out. utterly ridiculous. That money is just sitting in a room, apparently, waiting to be given away. Well, here's the thing. This is maybe an early indication of the new contract that's being signed between the NFL and its TV partners. And maybe, just maybe, what we're going to see from that is an explosion of money coming into the National Football League. Hmm. Now, this year, the salary cap is down. So you're seeing teams make some moves to work with the salary cap. And one of the things that the Bears have done is they cut one of their starting offensive linemen, Bobby Massey, which makes you wonder, well, the Bears couldn't really protect quarterbacks really well last year. A, how good was Bobby Massey? But B, how good is the offensive line they can put in front of any quarterback, whether it's Russell Wilson, Mitch Trubisky, Bob Avellini, Vince Evans, whoever. Um, 
The other thing that the Bears are going to have to do is that they have now put the franchise tag on Allen Robinson, their disgruntled wide receiver. Franchise tag means this player is so valuable to us, we are going to have to put him into the top five salaries of the league to keep him from going to free agency. Hmm. Allegedly, it's good for the player. But players will come back and tell you just Alan Robinson might say, well, I should be able to make even more money than that on the free agent market. And the fact of the matter is he probably wanted to leave Chicago to go to a team that, I don't know, has an actual quarterback that can get him the football. That said, Alan Robinson's price for staying in Chicago is at minimum $16.5 million dollars. That's what the Bears will have to pay him in order for him to stay. So, yes, there's a benefit there for Allen Robinson. The problem is he has to put up with one more year of this circus of not knowing if Ryan Pace can actually bring an actual quarterback with an arm to Chicago. The Bears are also hoping that Kyle Long will come back from retirement. Kyle Long retired at the age of 31 after seven seasons in the NFL. He had been really banged up, missed a lot of time with injuries. January of 2020, he said, I'm done. Here we are in March of 2021. He says, my body has healed up. I feel Mm. good. I'm 32 years old, and I'm ready to play. Now, 32 isn't decrepit for an NFL offensive lineman, but it certainly skews towards older for an NFL offensive lineman. The question I would have as a Bears fan is, well, what would I be signing? What kind of contract money am I giving Kyle Long? And is Kyle Long, after all that time, better than Bobby Massey, who I just cut? And I don't have the answer to that. Quite the chess game. Yes. Yes, it is. And that's what this offseason is like. We are currently, as we speak right now, 50 days from the NFL draft. So there's still going to be another seven weeks of wheeling and dealing going on in the NFL offseason. That's a lot of time. Yes, it is. A lot of time. Spring training baseball continues. Pause. What were the other two teams for Russell? Oh, I'm sorry. The other two teams were Oakland and New Orleans. Saints, Bears, Raiders. Raiders. Okay. Maybe. I said Oakland. I'm sorry. It's Las Vegas Las Vegas. Vegas. Yes. Yeah, my bad. Could you get that right? Please. I'm sorry. I was living in 2019. <laughs> Cubs. Have you watched any of Marquee? I've tried really hard. I just can't seem to. I almost, I almost watched the repeat last night, but just my timing is off. Because they had Boog and JD on, and I wanted to hear what you thought of the new broadcast. <gasps> I'm sorry. I'm, I will try my best to catch, catch that. Here's what I think you'll like about Boog Shambi. At least one of the things that I like about him. Okay. So he he admits to being a nerd. Okay. And one of the things that makes him a nerd is he really dives into these kind of newer stats that you have in baseball. Okay. And he talked yesterday about how last year in baseball, in 2020, the overall batting average, I think, was 242, which is the lowest it's been since 1972. And he talked about how 
That is why teams put so much stock into home runs now, where it's the game is now home runs, strikeouts, and walks because play, teams don't hit well enough to string three hits together to get runs. The most efficient way of getting runs in baseball these days is the home run. So you put your stock into home run hitters and you worry less about batting average and more about things like OPS, which is your on-base percentage plus your slugging percentage. Your slugging percentage is total bases divided by at-bats. Well, you get four total bases for a home run. You get one for a single. So obviously somebody who hits home runs is going to have a higher slugging percentage. You following me? Yes. Okay. On-base percentage is walks go into on-base percentage too. So if you have a hitter, and Barry Bonds is a great example of this, Barry Bonds hit home runs and he got walked a lot. So his OPS, his on-base percentage, plus his slugging percentage, was four figures many times. If your OPS is around 800 to 900, you're considered a really good player. And anything above that, you're in the stratosphere. So teams are looking for these guys with these high OPSs. They don't care if your batting average is 242 or 238, which is why the Cubs went out and got a guy like Jock Peterson. And and Jock Peterson hits a home run yesterday in spring training. And they're looking for guys that can just go deep and produce runs that way because it's so difficult to produce runs in baseball these days. Why is that? Because in a baseball typical baseball game now, you're going to face four different pitchers. You might face the starting pitcher for your first two at-bats, and then at-bats three, four, and five, you'll face three different pitchers for those. So it's not like you get into a rhythm with pitchers. You might be facing a starting pitcher, big fastball. The next guy might be a curveball guy. The next guy might be a slider, and the next guy might throw splitter. And you have to adjust all these guys. That's tough. But the language is, according to the stats, knock it out of the park when you get up to bat. Right. Knock it out of the park. That, that is your that is your walking order. But I thought he did a really good job okay. yesterday of explaining that yeah. in terms, probably better than I just did right now, in terms that you would have understood. Yeah. I thought about you as I was listening to this, and I thought Corey would have liked this. I will check that out. I'm becoming a fan of him, and I've only heard him maybe half half an inning. I like him. Yeah, he's got a he's got a good voice. Yeah. Oh yes. I I didn't like him on ESPN games, but I think part of that is because ESPN games are overproduced. I would agree with you. So if you get him into just a more of a a nor what I call a normal station with being able to just do baseball. I, I like him in those situations. What is the percentage of you trying out to be the um, announcer at Wrigley Field? Zero. I, I don't. I don't have time to do that. But what if you did? Well, as we were talking in the other studio this morning, and and this is prompted by the fact that Andrew Bellison, who has been the PA voice of the Chicago Cubs for the last ten years, is stepping away. 
he wants to do what I do now. He wants to be a sportscaster. Doesn't everybody? Um, and our friend Mike Collins is the, the spring training PA voice of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Oh. And he's able to do that because he's a retiree and he lives down there. If I were retired at my current age, sure, I'd love to do that. Are you kidding me? I get to use my talents and get paid to be at 81 Cub games? Oh, sign me up in a heartbeat. Take the train in? Take the train? Move over there? What would you do? Maybe maybe get an apartment there. Okay. Yeah, maybe get an apartment there. They got back-to-back games, have a place to stay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. I, I'd go for that in a heartbeat, but I'm not retired. I have a job here. You're still very busy. Yes, I'm a very busy man, so that's not going to happen. The interesting thing about when Andrew Bellison got the job is he was only 24 years old. Wow. And as you mentioned, single guy, you're living in Chicago, you can go to Cubs games, and they're going to pay you yeah. to do this. And I would assume they're going to pay you enough because – you are the voice of the team at those games. For 40,000 fans, they're not listening to Lynn Casper or Pat Hughes or J- Boog Shambi. They're listening to Andrew Bellison. He is the one communicating to them. And I thought he was very upbeat. He was he was easy to understand. The sound system isn't always, but he is easy to understand. Ignorant question. Mm-hmm. Do you have to have a solid knowledge of the game, or is he being fed things most of the stuff he's just reading now he has to have enough of an understanding of the rules like you don't you might see something and you think you can call it but you can't call it until the umpire signals to the press box this player is coming in that's happening yes okay yeah so like for instance when a pinch hitter comes up you'll see the umpire turn and point to the batter he's in the game now Giving you, you permission annu- to go. You can announce him, but oh, you wow. don't dare announce him before he's in the game. I did not know you that. can cause havoc. Oh, yeah. Way. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay. So you have, yes, you have to have an awareness of certain rules and things like that. And you also, you have a responsibility to the team and the game not to exacerbate bad situations. It's not your job to provide commentary on calls or you're just, yes, you're the Cubs PA announcer and you're going to certainly put more into a Cubs batter coming to bat than you are a Pittsburgh Pirate batter coming to bat. Your your but, personality is in the pronunciation of names, right? home runs. A call goes against the home team. It's not your job to help incite the crowd or right. anything like that. Yeah. If anything, it's your job to maybe help tamp things down a little bit. Okay. Plus all everything that goes with being a PA announcer, safety, procedures, concerns. Yes. And, and especially this year, are you weather. kidding with everything going on with COVID and stuff like that? Yeah. Reminders, hey, fans, blah, blah, blah. Right. Oh, man. And all of the what you and I would call live reads probably. Yes. My goodness. Yeah. And you're coordinating with music. You're coordinating with an organist. Promotions. Yes. We're about I to mean, do this it, thing. So I imagine <sighs> it's a decent, I would 
hope at least it's a decent paying job. Yeah. Enough that you could probably do that job for those 81 dates and maybe not have to do a lot of something else. Yeah. However, it's a job that comes with tremendous time commitments and responsibilities. You know, if it's an extra inning game, that's tough. You got to sit there and call the extra inning game and you have to be there probably an hour and a half before the ball game starts. Mm -hmm. Now you can probably leave shortly after it ends, but still it's 81 dates. That's a commitment. As a Cubs personnel too, you kind of become a quick little celebrity in that world. Well, of course you, you're the 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 PA guy for the Cubs. The fact that we know who he is. Yeah. The I'd fa- be fascinating to talk to some uh, people that have done that before, like in the, in the big leagues. Just mm-hmm. what's that world like? What's it like now? Sure. Oh. And 20%? Is that the new? A little over 8,000 will be at both Wrigley Field and Guaranteed Rate Field, sitting in pod-style seating. But, you know, it was interesting. So that was a big part of the broadcast yesterday as they had on people from the Cubs because they've now opened it up. You can get into a ticket lottery and things like that. Are ticket prices just through the roof because of that? I didn't even look at the ticket prices. Yeah, I know the secondary ticket market prices are through the roof. I don't know if they've affected how they are at the actual ballpark or not. A former co-worker of ours has purchased season tickets again. Okay. Yeah. But he hasn't told me what uh, the price tag is because I've asked him for a couple, you know, dates in the summer. Good to know. Win or lose, I still like going to Wrigley Field. Sure, absolutely. And we're supposed to go in August for a Green Day show that's still up allegedly on the calendar. Late August. Well, I would think by late August that might be a doable thing. You know, just because it's twenty percent for opening day doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Right. It could, hopefully, as more people uh, get vaccinated or maybe the virus dies off, whatever, hopefully those numbers escalate in terms of attendance. Would you have guessed it would be a year? No. No, not at all. Did you think it was longer or short? No, I I originally thought it was going to... Back in the fall. Yeah, I, I thought... I thought originally in March, it's like, okay. And even as things started to deteriorate, I tend to be more of an optimist on these things. Mm -hmm. I know that might be hard for you to believe because you see a lot of pessimistic or cynical Chuck. And there is that side of me. But that is behind a paywall, by the way. With this thing, I I was optimistic. I kind of thought, okay, well, we'll we'll eventually get this solved. And it looks like we finally are, but... I thought it was going to be much quicker than what it was. Think full capacity by fall for football? I know Alabama's saying that. Uh I don't I don't know if Notre Dame will do that, but I could see fifty percent. I could see it looking more like more like normal, at least. Okay. All right. I hope so, because I came across a great tailgate picture in my Facebook memories today. When we went down to LSU to do a baseball game about eight or nine years ago, Paul Maneri, who used to be the head baseball coach at Notre Dame, is now the baseball coach at LSU. And it was the first time Notre Dame had been down there since Paul had moved down there. 
And he basically told his boosters, you you roll out the red carpet for these people. You do whatever you have to do to make them feel welcome. Hmm. So we had a doubleheader that day. We I think played Michigan in the first game and LSU in the second game. And, um, man, that tailgate, oh, my goodness. <laughs> you had the best in Cajun food that you would ever want to have, and it was in copious amounts. Southern hasp- hospitality oh, at, at its, its best. finest, yes. Nice. And they draw 8,000 fans for baseball games now. Wow. Yeah. You know how they do that? They win. They're very, very good, yes. Mm-hmm. And it's warm. Yes. You exhausted your Cubs uh, observations? I, I think so. All right. Overrated, underrated, we're coming full barrel loaded, two for each of us. Wanna All right. Go, you want to go back and forth, or you want to do your two, my two? No, let's go back and forth. All right, you first. Janet Jackson. So, based on my scientific method of either five big albums or five big hits, she's got it. She knocks it out of the park. Right down the middle, though, I wouldn't say she's overrated. Uh, I wouldn't say she's underrated. I think she's where she's supposed to be. It's been a while since we've seen her. Right. Um, well, we saw too much of her at the Super Bowl. I saw her twice in concert. Once during that Rhythm Nation album, which was put her in the stratosphere. Yes. And it was a divided show. The first half of the show was all that earlier control music, then that very militant Rhythm Nation. Mm-hmm. It was okay. The next album I saw her which is the uh, album cover where she's a little bare and the hands are coming around. Mm -hmm. That was one of the best shows I've ever seen. Choreographed, colorful, amazing, uh, amazing performer. I put her right down the middle. I think she's an amazing performer. I think some of the, for lack of a better term, stunts that she's done Mm -hmm. and the Super Bowl one at the top of the list weren't necessary. So I'm going to go a little bit. Was that a stunt or a malfunction? Well, I think I still of am the belief that it's a stunt. Oh, okay. I don't think it was a malfunction. Okay. However, um, I, I'm just going to say slightly overrated only from the standpoint, like you pointed out, what have you done for me lately? But those songs still hold up. That catalog still holds up oh, pretty good. Uh, what what she was able to do in the nineties and the aughts, early aughts. By the way, if that was a stunt, wow, did that backfire? Oh yeah, because that's kind of what you're known for. Exactly. You know, you're you're the sister of a megastar. You're a, a star in your own right. Your music catalog is great, but when people Google you, more than likely, the incident of what was that? Oh four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oopsie Daisy. Yeah. And who was the culprit in there? Justin Timberlake. There it is. Now, he's recovered quite nicely. Yeah, he's okay. I uh, lob back to you the acting and directing talents of one George Clooney. Ooh. I, I think when you look at a performer like George Clooney, you have to separate the wheat from the shaft. You have to separate politics, which he's been very active in, from his career. And his career, you know, it's interesting that his wife is now just starting to see his ER work, mm-hmm. which obviously put George Clooney on the map. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, George Clooney was in two shows called ER. 
One was a CBS comedy, and the other was the NBC drama that really vaulted him yeah. to, to stardom. And then he's been able to pick it up with a movie career in which he's done quite well. Um, I would say down the middle. I, I don't. I definitely don't think he's underrated. Um, but I, I have to give him his props. He has put out some good stuff. There's the movie where he uh, he's part of a group in World War II that goes and recovers art. The Monument Men. The Monument Men. I found that to be a really good movie other than the preaching that went on about why art is important. You could have taken that scene out of the movie and it would have been a terrific movie. Okay. I go by the scientific, let's go five movies. Can you name five great Clooney movies? Well, what's the one where he's on the the perfect storm? That was a good movie. Uh, there's, um, I, I will give him credit for Monument Men. Um, I'd like to throw in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I'd like to throw in a little unknown, uh, not watched much, but man, do I love it. Michael Clayton. Have you ever watched that yeah, one? Uh, I, I thought that was very oh, good. Oh, that's yeah. a good one. Uh, I liked Gravity with Sandra Bullock up in space. Hmm? I liked the fantastic Mr. Fox. It's his voice only, but right. it's still a great movie. I liked uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Well, which I, I think might I be think an Oscar. He got an Oscar for that. He either got the Oscar or the picture got the Oscar. Yeah. And uh, ER is good. That was a good oh, show. Oh, it was a very good show. And And he, <laughs> as he points out, he says, I hope my wife doesn't get the idea that I'm actually that way. Yeah, a womanizer. His character was. <laughs> Back in the day when uh, U93 was owned by NDU and mm-hmm. an NBC affiliate, right. the request line went on hold on Thursday nights starting at 8 o'clock until 11 o'clock because I wanted to watch TV too in the oh, studio. I didn't want to miss out on Friday's conversations. Right. Friends. What would have, what would have well, been? Well, no, it would have been Cosby Show at that time. Would it? Yeah, I think so. I feel like it was Cheers, Friends, Seinfeld, Mad About You, ER? Maybe. Something. Maybe. Something, you know. They all kind of blend Must see TV Thursday night, but ER was good. ER was good. I'm going to go, plus he's a director and he's pretty decent at that. Yes. I'm going to go slightly underrated. Really? Slightly Okay. Slightly. Um, I'm going to come back at you with the comedy and acting stylings of a man who's getting a lot of pub these days because he's got a new movie out, and that's Mr. Eddie Murphy. I loved and memorized uh, Raw. Okay. Because it was comedy. on HBO. That was his comedy was album and show. Yeah. Is it Raw? What's the one with the red? Oh, Delirious. I memorized Delirious. Raw was raw. Mm -hmm. Delirious, I could do that for you in the full 48 minutes. Beverly Hills Cop. For some reason, I like The Golden Child. It's a stinker. Nutty Professor. Coming to America. The Um, original. Yes. Masterpiece. Um, Saturday Night Live. Yeah where he got it all started the donkey and shrek is really funny yes i mean he makes it really funny i'm gonna go 
And but boy, he's got some stinkers. Oh, and he, he would admit it. Yeah. I mean, got, he was just on a podcast the other day where he basically said that's the reason he's getting back into acting is because he didn't want to be remembered for some of these movies that he did. Yeah. Towards the end of his career. Do not were, rent Norbit. I'm going to go. Gosh, because he's been away so long and he needs to reintroduce himself. I'm going to go underrated. I would agree. I think he was somewhat of a pioneer in the fact that I think he is one of the first comics, either black or white, to be able to introduce a street sense to the audience that you don't necessarily pick up on. And he was able to do that in his comedy work. Mm -hmm. I think that was part of his allure in Saturday Night Live. Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood is a classic skit. Uh, Gumby is classic. Mm -hmm. And then he continued that on in Beverly Hills Cop. I thought Coming to America, while uproariously funny, also showed a warmer side of him it was like okay here's eddie murphy growing up a little bit yeah even though he still played a young character in the movie um and of course his ability to morph into these other characters (laughs) is just i also want to throw in 48 hours i thought that was yeah and that might be my teen years but man that bar scene when he knew he was about to get pummeled if he didn't do something and he puts on that cowboy hat and just goes to work. Oh, man. Slightly underrated. Yeah. Uh, Tom Schultz's birthday today, lead singer, creator of Boston, the band Boston. You know how I feel about Boston. I do know how you They're feel. They're the best. Jerry, it, it's the best. more of a feeling for you. Uh, don't look back because they are terrific and I think underrated. And I know, uh, and we talked about this a little bit before the show today, a lot of people... You've got the standard of five albums. They will not hit the standard of five albums, but the three albums that they put out that were huge were were beyond huge. If you don't own the first album by Boston and you call yourself Planet, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Get off the planet and use the spaceship on the front of that album to go right and go away. And and if you're a young person who listens to this show, and I know many kids listen to the show with their fathers. Make sure that your father has listened to Boston because if he hasn't, he probably isn't your dad. <laughs> How many dads right now are like, what did you just do, Chuck? <laughs> Make your dad listen to the first Boston record. It's called Boston by Boston. Do it. Are we saying underrated? I am. <laughs> I just I saw them a, a couple years ago with my wife at the casino and they killed it. They still have it. Still had it. All the notes, all the singing, so good. This is a lengthy edition, kids, but you know why Uncle Chuck and Mr. Corey made it a lengthy edition? Because we're not with you Friday. No, I am on assignment. We'll be back Monday. I know my friend, my coworker, is not a big fan of fanfare. So I'm going to ask for maybe 30 seconds of fanfare, and then we'll get back to work on Monday. Just 30 seconds? I'm not I'm not going over the top because I know you don't enjoy that. But I am going to take 30 seconds to hopefully get a, huh, Adia, and then we'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I have the feeling it'll be more than a, huh, 
but we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, episode 300 on Monday. Have a great weekend coming up. Two games. Are these your last two games of no, the season? No, we have semi-state after that. Okay. So, and then are those the last ones? Those will be the last ones. We do not do the state finals, which will be delayed a week this year, and that'll be on April 3rd. Two more weeks. Hopefully by then I'll be vacationing somewhere. Yes, maybe you will. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss one of these high-quality, sometimes lengthy episodes. Oogalooga, Tim Salmon, you angel, you. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Check. Sport Check. Sport Check is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.